Welcome to It's a Code World, your digital marketing podcast. This podcast will give you practical insights on how to be the renaissance man or woman in digital marketing and become indispensable for your organization. Hey, how's it going? This is Tim Brown and this is the It's a Code World podcast. And I'm going to be talking with Jesse Meehan of Headwaters Contractor Resources. What's up, Jesse? How you doing, Tim? We're going to be talking about how to stay organized in your construction company administration and marketing. And uh, before we get started, I uh, just want to talk to you a little bit about baseball. Tell me, what is going on? We got uh, the Twins are having their home opener tomorrow. Yeah, it's baseball season. Doesn't feel like it up here in Minneapolis. For all the listeners up here, you guys know what I'm talking about. About eight inches of snow the last few days, 30 degrees tomorrow, 25 degree high on Friday. So uh, it's definitely not baseball weather, but uh, me and and hopefully a lot more fans are going to be heading to the games this weekend and uh, rooting on the Twins and, and wishing for warmer weather. It's it's hilarious that it's literally a home opener for baseball right now. It feels like the middle of December. That kind of affects construction companies' business right now too. What is that? What is the season? Tell me a little bit about your understanding of the seasonality of construction business. It seems to definitely be a little less busy when it's the snowy. You know, that's that's the hardest part uh, for me watching the snowfall yesterday was for our contracting clients up here. A lot of them, uh, you know, have been pushed back in the winter uh, due to all of the, the cold snow to do siding, windows, roofing, um, really anything outside landscaping. Some of our clients do that. Uh, it's, it's pretty difficult for them to work for three or four months consecutively. And then you finally get to April. The snow's off the ground. We think we're about to get back to it. Uh, and then it snows like this. But, um, you know, it looks like the weather's going to warm up a little bit next week. And, and hopefully uh, the contractors up, you know, here in Minnesota and, and kind of the, the northern states are going to be able to get out there. And, and, you know, the busy season's just about to begin. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not in construction, or you're not a general contractor, you're not a roofing company, etc. Let me just give you one little tidbit is we're going to be talking about some administrative stuff that I think will be useful for any kind of small business. So if you're normally listening to this podcast because we have tips on actionable things that you can do for your business as marketing, think about this as a little offshoot into the administrative aspect of uh, your small business and, and the things that you can do. We're going to be talking about everything from tracking uh, time and, and your receipts to talking about cash flow and how to get a better handle on cash flow in your business. So I definitely encourage you to listen up. And especially if you're a contractor and construction company, this will be an extremely interesting one, I believe. I'm just going to get down to you know one of my clients' problem. Um, I won't say who it is, but we've got a client um, and he said, I need processes and documents that I can teach my employees to use to essentially make this business function even if I weren't around. With all the available technology, I know that there are things out there that can help me, but I don't know exactly what they are and how to implement them. So that's, a, that's where we're at with a lot of construction companies. We've got talented, smart, uh, savvy people in certain areas of their business 
But there's other sides of the business, like the administrative stuff, that sometimes they're spending a bunch of extra time on stuff that maybe they shouldn't be handling. Um, and this is not an uncommon problem for construction companies. And, you know, Jesse's going to be talking to a little bit about that today. It's going to be about, well, how do we get over that hump? How do we start to either delegate or outsource certain things that could be done more efficiently with, without our direct involvement on a regular basis? So before we get into all that, though, I just want to give you a high level four techniques or concepts of things that construction companies need to be using to get the most out of their administrative processes. Here we go. Yeah, the, the first two are kind of similar, Tim. Um, they really go together. The first one's finding the right software for your firm uh, to better organize uh, template and streamline your services, whatever industry you're in, but especially uh, in the construction industry. The second part, and possibly the more important one, is having a team in place to implement that. Uh, you might not have an administrative hire yet. It might be a mom and pop shop. It might just be one person, but you can have the greatest software in the world. And if you're not using it properly, if you're not using it regularly, uh, it's really it's, it's, it's worthless, essentially. The third thing Tim touched on earlier is understanding cash flow, um, understanding the idea of using the same money consistently, um, not just looking at money in and money out at the end of a job and finding out how much you made, but uh, locating inefficiencies, loca locating uh, different areas where you can improve or make more money, and again, keeping the line of credit low, keeping the interest payments low, uh, and, and other stuff with cash flow. And the last one is understanding what your time is worth. Again, not just in the construction industry, a small business owner, that sweat equity is part of the job, and oftentimes we all wear it like a badge of honor with how much time we've put in. But if you take a look at realizing exactly how much your time is worth, uh, you may realize that you're wasting you know, $200, $300, $400 a day in your time where you could be paying someone maybe $15 to $20 an hour. Absolutely. Really appreciate that. So we'll get more into depth on those here. Uh, first, I want to say or ask, how do you streamline construction estimating to final invoicing? You got to have a plan in place. You got to have a templated plan. Again, you know, with our clients, we use software that allows them really start to finish to kind of keep everything organized. But it's really templating a process, templating a schedule. Every job is different. But if you take a look at it, really at the nuts and bolts of it, every job's not different. If you build a house, you know, you start with the grading, you build the foundation, you build up, you put up the walls, et cetera, et cetera, and it's all kind of the same. Each house may be different, but this, the, the plan and process is kind of similar. And that's the same for each job. Each job may be different, but if you get a, a plan in place where you're estimating, you know, you're using the same software every time online, um, you're documenting that software, you're allowing the homeowner access to that, and every, every process and plan is the same. Uh, you can really make it more efficient each time. So just to be clear, I've actually gotten a lot of these questions directly from our construction clients. So as a company that specializes in construction marketing, um, we keep on seeing similar questions come up, and some of them go beyond what we do. So... For instance, we're helping people essentially get the word out about their company. But 
some of these questions, they don't necessarily have to do with getting the word, about, word out, but I still want to help them. So we're actually taking questions directly from our construction clients and bringing them to you for the benefit of our audience. I'm extremely excited. We got a couple more um, related to invoicing, et cetera, mm-hmm. and you know, estimation, et cetera. Um, should you cut down on services that you're providing so it's consistent? And, and I'll kind of rephrase that a different way because I was talking to my client directly on the phone about this. And this, this goes beyond construction, but do you create the widest array of possible offerings that you could have? Or do you try to cut it down to like three or five main offerings so that you can template and get it out there quickly? How do you guys handle that? What is your suggestion? Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I've seen this in a lot of under, other industries as well. But in the construction specifically, it's a, I don't want to call it a dangerous game necessarily, but it's a very, uh, it, it is dangerous to, to do too many services, offer too wide a variety and get kind of lost in those where, you know, you're, you're losing money essentially because you're trying to do too many things. Um, you know, I always advise new businesses to really focus on one or two areas. And, you know, depending on what uh, service you provide in the construction industry, you know, maybe a plumber or an electrician, those are more specialized services. If you're a general remodeler, um, you know, or a home builder, then you get into a lot of different services you are able to offer. And I always encourage our clients, especially starting out, to really focus on, you know, two to three main individual areas as you grow and then as you're able to build, um, you know, maybe add more subcontractors or add more employees or more crews, you know, then when you feel comfortable, then you're able to kind of branch out into other, uh, other services and industries. I love that. You really have to figure out what thing you're going to lead with. And I tend to want to tell them to lead with the thing that's, that's most lucrative. Yeah, I know. <laughs> lead with the thing that's most lucrative and the thing that you know how to sell the best. Exactly. And, and you know, construction and, and you handle the marketing, Tim, you know, there's a lot of ways to get jobs and a lot of it can be relationship based. And maybe you go roof a person's house initially and you let them know, hey, I also do some of this other stuff. And they're going to be the ones that if you do a great job on that roof, they're going to call you back and ask you to help with, you know, the siding next time or putting in the new windows and and you build that relationship with that customer in that neighborhood, um, there's a lot of opportunity there. So, you know, it's exactly what you said. You kind of lead with your best foot maybe or, you know, the most lucrative and, and build from there and not too much too soon. So big thing is structuring order templates. How do you do that in a way so that you don't always need to make new ones? Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of construction software out there nowadays. You know, there's Job Nimbus, there's Aculinks. Builder Trends is one that we work most closely with with our clients. Uh, you know, they, that software nowadays comes with a lot of those templates. But it goes back to what I said earlier. The issue with a lot of these is is contractor clients sign up for this software and don't end up using it. And that's one of the roles we actually play with our clients is we're almost like an accountability coach for them. We're talking to them three, four, five days a week at times, making sure that they're not overwhelmed, making sure that they're putting the templates in place. And a lot of times with our clients, there's a lot of work up front kind of getting those templates set up, whether it's the documents, the scheduling for the subcontractors, the homeowners, everything in place. And then we'll take a step back and just help them on an as-needed basis. That's amazing. Very, very important. I think that 
getting those templates in place. And I've just heard from people that that can be massive help in their business. Um, how do you track job cost? That's another thing that Builder Trend or all these other software software does very well. Um, you know, you can do all of your POs through their software traditionally. You can do the estimating, you can do the billing, you can do the payments through the software, which makes it very easy. A lot of the software nowadays integrates directly with QuickBooks or other accounting software. Um, and then we always actually work with the bookkeepers with our clients as well. Uh, it's a lot harder to go back six months and try to figure out the bookkeeping on certain jobs. But if you're working consistently with your bookkeeper, um, with your operations and admin team, you can see where the inefficiencies are and you can see where you can improve and you can see what the job's actually making. I love it. So how should construction companies deal with change orders? That's a tricky one. This is, you a, know, pain, this yeah. is a painful topic for a lot of people. It is. Because it's, it's one thing you want people to be enthusiastic at the end of a job mm-hmm. and you don't want to have to deal with somebody that feels less than enthused about what you did. And sometimes a change order is kind of a, it's, it feels like you're confronting somebody. It feels like, okay, I know we said that the job was going to be 20K, but this change that we, you know, we just talked about is going to be an extra 5K and kind of making that yeah. um, work. But how do you deal with that? It's, it's tricky because, like you said, you know, a lot, of, a lot of homeowners come into these jobs with a budget. It's oftentimes lower than, than the contractor would traditionally charge, so it's hard enough to get them to that point. And then, like you said, you know, they may want a few things changed at the end that they didn't like, and it's going to cost a couple extra thousand dollars, and it's, it's a, you know, it, you got to tiptoe around it. You know, obviously the first thing, and this, this is the most important, is the rapport you have with the homeowner, the communication you have with the owner, and explaining to them that it is going to cost more money. Um, but the on the administrative side, again, it's, it's really just making sure your documents are in order, making sure your templates are in order. And if you have the right software, uh, you know, you can send that change order directly to the client. They can accept it electronically nowadays, and they can submit payment as well. Absolutely. So this one almost feels like it carries a little bit of pain <laughs> with this question. But advice for making sure the design that's proposed actually gets paid for yeah it's this is this is another tricky one you know i know um you know you mentioned to me when we were talking about it previously that a lot of times um you know contractors or people who create these designs will send their work in advance kind of on good faith uh without billing and and there's always that opportunity that the homeowner or the client is going to use that work and go elsewhere and maybe tweak it to their liking and and the designer doesn't get paid. So again, it really goes back to the change order. You know, a lot, a lot in this industry, in the construction industry, um, and really any industry, is communication with the client and expressing that your time is valuable. And a lot of times, if a client's not going to realize that uh, upfront, they may not be the best client for you as is. So you know, not every contractor has the luxury of this, but you really got to pick your clients carefully because you know the last thing you want to do is spend all this time, energy, and your own money on a job and end up losing money. And I've, I've seen it happen many times before where, you know, the wrong client can, can make a job, you know, a sunken cost pretty quick. So you mentioned something in there. I want to take a little side note here. The side note is called 
the value of an owner's time. So, you know, we talked about this. We were just taking a walk a little bit earlier. We were talking about um, company owners don't always value their time in a way that's appropriate based on their current situation. I think the tendency is to value your time more in the line of what your time was worth three to five years ago versus what it's worth now instead of valuing your time at 100 to 200 bucks or whatever it happens to be you're valuing you're, you're doing things that it could cost 15 bucks to have somebody else do so where is that line when do you start making sure that you either outsource or delegate certain tasks that are not the best suited for you at this time. Yeah, it's something we see with a lot of our contract clients, a lot of small business owners. You know, like you said, Tim, you are one and you've seen this. To start a business, it takes sweat equity, it takes time, it takes long hours. There's really no avoiding that. But as you continue to grow business, a lot of owner a lot of small business owners continue down the same path of just part of the job just part of the gig of owning a small business i was talking to a contractor the other day and he's spending 3 or 4 hours a night invoicing and i i asked him why don't you just pay someone you know 15 20 bucks an hour to do that you know part time and he's like well it's just part of the business you know it's part of part of owning it um and I had to explain. Mar- it's like martyr, like yeah, trying to be a martyr. They wear like a company. badge of honor. I do know? it too sometimes. Yeah. So I'm not even ripping you, on it, but I think it is one of those tendencies. Like I, I'm used to working hard, right? I'm used to working mm-hmm. long hours, and sometimes when I don't, I feel like maybe I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, it's the idea. I built this with my own two hands, and especially yeah. in the construction industry where you literally physically build things with your own two hands. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a badge of honor, but a lot, you know, what we call the value contribution method. There's a lot of ways to do this, but something that we always talk to our contractors about is kind of take a look at your gross revenue for the year, you know, maybe find, say you're responsible for 50% of that, break it down by how many working days and, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And a lot of these contractors, a lot of these clients find out that their hours sometimes are north of $300 an hour. And then you say, look, you're spending five, 10 hours a week, minimum invoicing, going through paperwork, making sure your documents are right, uploading documents. And all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, anywhere from $1,500, $2,000 a week in lost opportunity costs that you could pay someone, you know, $15 an hour and, you know, 5% of what your time is worth um, to get that done, and you could be out selling new projects and building your business. Exactly, and that's that's the real key. There, it's not just that you're not, you know, not doing it, and then you pass it off. It's what else you could be doing. And sometimes, I don't know if it, this it translates as well over to construction, but there's stuff that I kind of like doing, but really could be done by somebody else uh, at. the same amount of effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So like if, even if you like doing it, so let's say you like invoicing Mm -hmm. and you like doing some of these menial administrative tasks, you enjoy them or what have you. If somebody else could do it at 80, 90% effectiveness and it's not you, 
and your time is worth 300 bucks an hour, you're actually doing a disservice to your business. An outside person, if you had them like, you know, totally objective outside person would say, the owner should not be doing this work. They should actually be passing this work off because their time should be spent on selling, on whether it's design or these higher level things that require your ability, that require your specific talents. And these other things that don't really require that talent or ability should be handed off. Yeah. And you're actually objectively hurting your company by handling these things that could be done for $15, $20 an hour. You're, you're losing money. And, and I've heard all the, you know, kind of excuses in the book about, I'd like to be hands-on with each of my jobs. You know, the homeowner's going to be frustrated if they're working for someone else. Or, I don't want to babysit an employee. And, you know, to your point, Tim, yeah, it might be 75 80% of, you know, they might be spending more time. They might be doing a little poorer of a job that you got to correct them here or there. But it's just like you said, they're doing a disservice to their company and they're losing money, you know, because they want to be hands-on where, you know, firms like ours or other firms out there or even an administrative hire, you know, the correct software, that stuff's built in and those costs might be a little more upfront or maybe a little more than their, you know, They'd rather do it themselves, but at the end of the day, if they really break down the numbers, they're going to save a lot of money or make a lot more money, more importantly. I love it. So, that's a lot for one podcast. I'm going to leave a little extra (laughs) here for our next podcast because I'm really excited to have you on. I think that this is probably one of the more valuable uh, podcasts I've done just because of the niched nature of it and for this specific audience. Um, Like I said, I think it's helpful for other small business owners, but particularly extremely valuable for contractors. So next time, we're going to be talking (laughs) about how a company might handle agreements with subcontractors and suggestions for employee handbooks and non-competes, as well as some other things related to how to organize the people in your construction company. All right, so it's so good to have you on. I'm excited to have you on next time. Jesse, where can they find you online? Uh, You can go to our website. It's hwcresources.com. Again, H is in Henry, W is in William, C is in catresources.com. We're working on creating socials, hopefully with Tim's help uh, coming up here. So uh, hopefully by the next time we're, we're on our next podcast, we'll have a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, and be all over the Internet. Well, appreciate you guys for listening. Check out the show notes at hookagency.com slash podcast dash 21. That's the number 21. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hook Agency. Thank you, and have a great day. Bye. You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. You spent some lifetime stuck in silence, afraid you'll say something wrong. If no one ever hears it, how are you gonna learn your song? So come on, come on, come on, come on, you gotta. Join us next time for It's a Code World, bringing you radical guests speaking to relevant topics in digital marketing.
from visual design to front-end development, from growth hacking social media and SEO to work process tips and working with clients. 